But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, shout patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. I pointed out uh, earlier that this is a great passage to learn. Uh, and actually, you can learn it week by week because we're taking each one of these apart. So uh, love, joy, peace. Uh, today, we're focused on patience. Six months from now, a year from now, or years from now, you should be able to call this passage to mind in a very practical way and use these as lens through which you examine your walk with God, just to see how you're doing, see where you need to uh, allow God to, 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 to do deeper work in your life. So I challenge you to memorize these, uh, was all these nine characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit. The other day I was reading and was shocked by something that I read, and it illustrates how speed defines our culture. In Tennessee, uh, they have built a new supercomputer that is called the Summit. And what actually blew my mind, it was, it was the statistic was so outrageous that I had to just go back and look at it two or three times just to make sure that uh, I was reading it correctly. This new supercomputer calculates so rapidly until they say that it's able to calculate in a second what previously it took six billion years years to calculate. Can you believe that? Shout speed. Speed. And that kind of defines the culture in which we live. We want things faster and quicker and right now. That is why patience is such a, a challenge for so many of us in every era, but especially in this era. And my contention this afternoon is that God has literally built into the created order a variety of signs to make the point that no matter how technologically ingenious we become, that the most valuable things in life those things that will last the longest and impact in the greatest way will always require time. Lots of time. Everybody shout time. And because those things will always require time, it will always be required of us patience. Everybody shout patience. Patience. Let me illustrate this point by just pulling a couple of things uh, just, just, just out of our work. For example, here's a diamond that we're going to throw up here. It's a real diamond. I once heard uh, it was said that a, a diamond is a girl's best friend, but I've lived long enough to know that we all like diamonds, <laughs> men and women. This is one of the largest diamonds in the world, at least one of the, most, one of the largest, one of the most expensive diamonds. I think it's over $200 million. Super valuable. And yet when we figure out how much time did it take for this diamond to develop, what science tells us is that it probably took this diamond uh, somewhere between one to three billion years to develop. The insight here is simply this, that those things that are the most valuable to us in our lives always take lots of time. And it requires of us lots 
but patience. Let me illustrate it another way. The Arctic whale, which I just learned about the other day, uh, is one of the uh, mammoths who live the longest uh, on the planet. Currently, uh, an Arctic whale can live 200 years. And the oldest that they found is one that lived 211 years. Now, when you read those numbers in the Bible about how long people lived and so forth and so on, this is a contemporary example of the power of God. Now, if you ask, okay, well, how long does it take uh, this well, in fact, to give birth, the gestation period from conception to birth, given that they live so long? Ladies, I know you have a difficult time with nine months, but check this out. It takes them somewhere between 13 to 16 months, their gestation period from conception to birth. Another reminder, the things that last long with great impact takes time to develop. And here's my last example, uh, is the, uh, the Greenland shark. Uh, shockingly, this uh, uh, fish lives between 200 and 400 years. Can you believe that? Everybody say, wow. I mean, it's wild. I mean, this is these, some of these fish are like 300 years old, 400 years old. And well, how long does it take them to, to in, in the reproduction cycle, how long does it take them to, to be born in the, the gestation period? Uh, uh, that they, their mothers may carry them somewhere between one to three years. And you all thought nine months was tough. <laughs> one to three years. But you see the point that God is reminding us that things that last the longest, right, that has the greatest impact on our lives, take takes a long time and requires real patience. So this is my basic point. One of the reasons why patience is a fruit of the Spirit is because it is a fundamental requirement for us to be effective followers of Jesus and to be impactful in the world at whatever it is that we are called to do. Let me give you a definition for patience. Here's my, uh, uh, here's this, I've got uh, both the biblical insight, and if you just look it up in a dictionary, here's a definition for patience is this. The capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering, here it is, check it out, without getting angry or upset. All right, let me, let me help you figure out the patience part of this, right? Because we all will deal with delay, trouble, and suffering. That doesn't necessarily mean patience. It is the without getting angry or frustrated or blowing a fuse. You see what I'm saying? That's patience. Matter of fact, patience, the Latin root word for patience is, uh, uh, is suffering. The King James Version, when it talks about patience, one of the ways it translates it is long-suffering. The ability to suffer long without being angry or frustrated or upset because you figured out that the most impactful, valuable, emerging things of life requires time. And you have patience.
All right. Tell the person next to you, you need some more patience. Tell them. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, you know, some of us, as we think about our patience, we usually compare ourselves to others, right? We say, in comparison to, right? I'm pretty good. Well, I'm going to walk you through three categories of, through which I want you to look at patience. And you may be good in one, but I suspect by the time we get into this, uh, this message series, you will have figured out today that there is at least one area that you can grow. Now, let me just begin by saying God models patience. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 3, I talk about it all the time. It says, and the Spirit of God hovered over the chaos. He may, that hovering may have taken place millions of years or billions of years, but it reminds us that God was patiently waiting until the right time. Isn't that? It's just so good to know that that is the God that is in your life and that is in my life, that this is a God who's able to hover and he knows that, that he, wants to, he wants to do some things in our lives, but we're just not ready. And so God can just patiently wait. Yes, 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 yes. Tell somebody God is patiently waiting over you. Come on, tell them. Another great example of God and patience is actually in 2 Peter uh, chapter 3, verse uh, 9, I think it is. And Peter's making the point that, yes, God is a just God. He will judge you. But, but, but he, leads out, he, he leads with patience. Here's what he says. For the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, meaning the promise to judge, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is what? Patient with you, with you, with you, with you, with me. Patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God models this notion of patience that he wants to bring to life in us. Now, one of the categories in which we ought to think about patience is, is and the Bible translates it in this way, uh, is, in the, is we ought to think about patience in relationship to perseverance, endurance, and grit. The ability to hang on in there and to keep going. One of my favorite stories that illustrates how when God drops a word in our spirit or calls us to pursue a dream or invites us to, to take on a project, that, that it requires this notion of endurance and perseverance. And, and if, we, uh, if we undercut it, we, we, we cause unnecessary pain and harm to ourselves. As a matter of fact, why don't you just tell your neighbor this? Uh, uh, t- tell your neighbor, uh, shortcuts cut you short. And then we have a tendency to want to have a shortcut to what God wants to do in our lives. But I've already told you that, that the things that have the lasting impact, the things that are most valuable, that they will always take lots of time. And, and oftentimes we want to shortcut it. But the shortcuts will cut us short every time. God has a purpose to his process of time. Favorite story, Abraham. And Sarah, they're referred to as Abraham and Sarah when they first come on the scene. Ultimately, their names have changed to Abraham and Sarah reflecting the fact of their new role as, uh, in God's plan. In chapter 12 of Genesis, God says to Abraham, I want you to leave your, the neighborhood where you've been hanging out at all your life. I'm going to take you to a place where I'll show you when you get there. Ultimately, it's going to be called Canaan. Here's what he promised. He says, I'll make you into a great nation. I'll bless you and make your name great and you will be a blessing. And he goes on to say, uh, and by the way, I just want to point out, notice he says, I will what? 
and you will be. That's how God always works. This is just an aside. Whenever God blesses you, he, just, he, never, he never blesses you so that you can just settle and wallow in the blessing. God's intent is that whenever he blesses you, whether it's with gifts or with money or with talent or resources, he always intends for you to be a blessing. That's just an aside, all right? Next verse, watch what it says. And so, next verse. Uh, uh, next verse. <laughs> so Abram went as the Lord had told him and so forth. And it tells us that Abram was 75 years old when he got this message. 75 years old. God had said, look, I'm going to bring out of you a new nation. I'm gonna, that means you got to have some kids, Abram. Well, how old am I? I'm 75. Well, who are you going to use? I'm going to use your wife. What's her name? Sarah. How old is she? She's 65. And has she had any kids? No. Well, what are you talking about, God? And God is saying this to Abram and Sarah. And he's saying this to all of you. Abram, I know your situation is hopeless. But I specialize in bringing hope and miracles out of hopelessness. That's a word for somebody here. You know, you're looking at your place on your job and you're looking at your age and you're saying, you know, I'm in the late 40s and 50s and my job is hiring Folk who are in their 20s and 30s, I've aged out. I'm in a hopelessness. I'm stuck. God specializes in bringing miracles out of hopelessness. So he gives them this promise, right? And then chapter 15, 10 years later. Everybody shout, 10 years. 10 years later, nothing has happened, guys. I mean, Abram and Sarah, they're doing the best they can. But now 10 years later, there's still no pregnancy, no conception. And so here it is. God comes back because every now and then God knows he needs to encourage you. So he comes back with a word for Abram. He says, after this, the word of the Lord came through a vision. Says Abram, don't be afraid. I'm your shield. I will be your great reward. It's one of my favorite verses. I love that. I'll come back and unpack it sometime later uh, uh, as, we, as we move forward. But next verse, next verse, next verse, next verse. And he took him outside and said, I want you to look at all the stars and I want you to count them if you can. By implication, you really can't count them. So will your offspring be. Totally, that you're going to have so many you won't be able to count them. Now, we know that it's true because Abraham is now the father of, Chris, of, of Judaism and Christianity and Islam. And I, I mean, so obviously God kept his word, right? All right, watch this. Watch this. Chapter 16, verse 1 and 2. Sarah is waiting it's 10 years now. She is now 75 years old. In some ways, you kind of can't blame her. It's really understandable. It is quite natural. The fact is, it is so natural that she missed the point that what God wanted to do was something supernatural. And so when she, she was looking at the time, she decided that it was time to take a shortcut. So she decided, you know, I need to help God out. She decided maybe God who created heavens and earth has forgotten basic biology. <laughs> so let me help him out. Let me help him out. So Sarah Abram's wife has not been able to bear children so she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. Watch this next verse. So Sarah said to Abram, the Lord has prevented me. This is how we often think about our challenges in life. The Lord has prevented me from having children. So go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps, watch this, how perhaps. Perhaps I can have children through her. In other words, let me help God out. Now, I just have to point out Abram's response. There's no argument here. 
There's no trying to persuade her. I mean, look, I mean, she says, and his basic is just this, this, this. And Abram agreed. That's it. That's it. Just. <laughs> well, if I must, <laughs> we need to pray for Abram, guys. We got to pray for Abram. Pray for Abram. Lord have mercy. And anybody who's a student of Middle Eastern history now know that even today, the unrest and the challenge in the Middle East between the Palestinians and the Israelis, they trace their struggle back to this decision. Because Hagar gives birth to her son, and then the next thing we know, Hagar and Sarah are fighting, and then Hagar is kicked out of the camp. She becomes the first single mom in the text. God shows up, blesses her, and, and, and she creates a, a, a stream that comes through her. God ultimately keeps his word and sends Isaac through Abram and Sarah, the miracle child, the promised child, and out of that comes Israel. And there's been fighting and pain and hurt every second. So you see the point? Whenever we try to shortcut, we create unnecessary pain. But this was caused because she just felt she couldn't wait any longer. Hebrews 13 uh, addressed this point in the most powerful way. Here's what the writer in Hebrews 13, uh, Hebrews 10, verse 35 says. So do not throw away your confidence. That's what she did. She threw it away. It will be richly rewarded. Ultimately, she did give birth to a miracle child. You need to persevere. Shall persevere. You need some grit so that when you have done the will of God, that's your only focus, then you will receive what he has promised. But it always, it always, it always takes lots which requires from you and from me the supernatural work of God's patience in our lives. Well, let me just illustrate just personally, and we'll roll through this. This is what I call unnecessary pain. Oftentimes we hear from God, but because we get impatient, we start doubting what we've heard. I was, a, I was a sophomore in college, not a preacher, not even thinking, I didn't think I was going to be a preacher, but I did do life with God. So you don't have to wait till you show up in some big way in the church to do life with God, college students and high schoolers and middle schoolers, so I'm happy that we have them with us. And, and I, I learned early to do life with God. And so I had just broken up with this relationship and, and I was so upset with God. And so when you do life with God, you just talk to God about everything. And so I was just talking to God. I was, I was, I was fussing God out, really, if my dad was here. That's what he would say. And I was saying, look, God, I don't understand it, you know. And with God, you can be honest with God. I mean, you know, I've tried to be faithful. I've tried to do things the way you want. And, and look here, I can't, you know, I can't find somebody to love me, to care for me. I mean, come on, God, what's up with this, you know? I guess I'm just glad to be by myself for the rest of my life if that's what you want. So God whispers in my ear. And he says... Let me translate the Hebrew for you. <laughs> he said, chill out. <laughs> the person that I have for you is not on the campus, is not even in the state. Just 
focus. When you wait, y'all, you got to learn how to wait well. It doesn't mean just don't do nothing. He says, no, no, just, but focus. Focus on what I've called you to do right now. You know, get your books, do you? Be, 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 be academically excellent. Uh, uh, continue to learn how to lead. I was involved in a variety of organizations and, and let me develop you there. And, and, and in the next year, to two, within the next two years, I'll, I'll, I'll bring her. Trust me. Everybody shout, trust me. I said, okay, God, I, I feel you. I got you. Okay, it's all good. A week later, I started doubting. I said, no, that probably wasn't God. You know, and after all, I'm not going to date. I, I just need, you know how we say, we know, you know how we, we lie to ourselves. Say, you know, I just need somebody to drink a Coke with. <laughs> so I run into this young lady and, and get involved with this young lady. And at the end of the day, here's what she does to my heart. She does this to my heart. She does this, she does this, and she, A year and a half later, Rhonda shows up. Right? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But because I tried to force God's hand, tried to get a shortcut, come on now, when she showed up, she got somebody more wounded than what I should have been. I had... We had to work harder. She had to work harder. Pray harder. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> Let's celebrate Rhonda. <laughs> well, you see the point? Unnecessary woundedness that comes to us because we're impatient. Some of the things God is asking us to commit to is going to take years. Some of it will take decades. I remember my grand aunt praying for my uncle Crappy's salvation and for year after year, decade until she died. And it was several decades later before he gave it. He was in his 70s when he gave his life to Jesus and was baptized. But she stayed faithful. And you say perseverance. All right, let me give you one more example of how we cheat ourselves in this notion why perseverance in terms of patience is so important. I play, I play, uh, play tennis with uh, one of our partners who's a dear friend of mine, uh, John. And we've been playing tennis for about a year and a half, almost two years. And we play a couple times a month, sometimes three times a month. And in an entire duration, while I've won a game here, a game, game or two here or there, I've never been able to win a set as we play tennis. Matter of fact, it's so bad until John was uh, uh, volunteering in CYM a few weeks ago, weekends ago, and him and Lauren was in the same room volunteering. And he introduced himself. He says, I'm the guy that plays tennis with your dad. And Lauren said, can you at least let him win one game? <laughs> but I have, I have John on the strict order. said, John, by no means at all, do you let me win? He says, all right, I'm happy to, I'm happy to honor that. So we lose, I lose regularly. But this past Friday, I was, getting, I was walking out on the court, and I had my tennis racket. I got ready to walk out, and just when I walked through the gate, I felt something. And my translation of what I felt was, I'm going to win today. And so it was such a dramatic thing until 
I announced it to John. <laughs> John I said, John, he said, what? I said, uh, I'm going to win today. And John has said, well, what's changed? Uh, you've had some lessons or something? <laughs> and I said, no, 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 no. I just, I, I just feel it. He said, oh, oh, okay. So we start playing. Kid you not, for the first time in a year and a half, I went up on John four to zero. Never had happened before. Now, when I got the four, I started talking to me. <laughs> and, and, and what I started saying is, uh-oh, you know, you know you can't make it. You can't close it out. You, you know, he must have been just been playing light. He's about to come on like a steam train. You, you're not going to win this. You're not going to win this. So now I'm playing John and I'm playing me. Come on now. And, 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 so, and, and, and sure enough, John won the next one, one. So now it's 4-1. He wins the next one, four, two. He wins the next one, four, three. All right, and then I go up one, five. And then he comes back and wins the next one, four, five, four. Then he wins the next one, five, five. And at this point, I'm exhausted. I'm literally laying down on the ground. Come on now. I'm like Rocky Balboa. Right there. <laughs> That's me. John, who's 69 years old, John's like he just stepped out of the house. He's just walking around, you know. <laughs> So, 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 so John says to me, he's trying to be merciful because I'm in trouble. And he said, look, why don't we just end it at a tie? It would have been history. We would, I would have never been able to talk with him. Now, if you know this, this scene, you know that behind the scenes, while Rocky is down there, his, his coach, come on down, that little fella, he's screaming, get up, get up. And so I came this close. I said to John, John, if I play you again, you're going to have to call the ambulance. <laughs> and I thought about it. I thought about it. I was, just, I was just about to do it. Then I had a thought. What if what you felt really was God? If you quit, you're going to miss the miracle. Wouldn't you rather go for broke than miss the miracle? Tell somebody, don't quit too soon. And, and when I heard it, when I heard it, like that fella, I, 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 I started reading, I said, John, I'm going I'm to, I'm no, I'm, I'm going I'm to give it my best shot. And, and, and I climbed back up and went back to the other side. And, and whenever God enters the process, come on now, when everything in you says lie down, but if you would dare get back up again, come on now, God can do the impossible. Two more games later, I win the set, y'all. Come on now. All right. Here's a word for somebody. There is somebody I bet that's listening to me. You are about to quit too soon. You're about to walk out on that relationship and God is saying, way, you're quitting too soon. You're, you're about to change jobs because you think it's too hard. But God is saying you're quitting too soon. You're about to throw your hands up because you say, I can't take anymore. But God is saying you're quitting too soon. God is shouting at somebody, get up, get up, get up, get up. I've got a miracle waiting for you. Somebody's about to stop praying, but he's saying you're quitting too soon.
That's grit, y'all. That's perseverance. You know how? You know what I had to decide to do in order to get up? I decided that I would trust God. That's the practical lesson here. The only way that you keep getting up and keep pushing forward is that you have to regularly make the decision that I will trust God. I'm going to tell the person next to you, I'm going to trust God. Second piece, as we roll through this quickly. For some, maybe it's not perseverance. Maybe that's not where your challenge comes. Maybe your challenge comes in what I call interpersonal relationships. It's in your ability to to care with patience for your spouse or people you love or whatever the case might be. Again, God models this for us. Now listen, I'm just taking this as my favorite passage. Psalms 103, watch this. Watch, listen for the patience. Psalms 103, verse 8. Watch this. The Lord is compassionate and merciful. Listen for the patience. Slow to get angry. Come on, shout, slow to get angry. And filled with unfailing love. The real Hebrew there is overflowing with unfailing love. Now, now, now juxtapose this to Proverbs 15 and 18. And, and, and this is how God is trying to show you how he wants us to grow. Here's, here's what the proverb says. A hot-tempered person. Do you know a hot-tempered person? If you're sitting next to him, don't look at him. Just stay. <laughs> All right, compare this to what we, heard, what we just learned about God. A hot-tempered person stirs up conflict out, but the one who is what? Patient, who can work with, comes a quarrel. God is saying something about those of us who are hot-tempered. The root of it has to do with a sense of impatience, a lack of peace. Watch this. Now, here's my next one. Watch this. Psalms uh, 103, verse 14, another favorite verse of mine. I love it. You know, you know well, how, how, how come God works with us that way? For he knows how weak we are. He remembers, shout remembers, we are only dust. In other words, translation, it means that God knows that each of us, we are works in process. We are somewhere in the process. All right, now compare that to Ephesians 4 and 2. Watch this. Ephesians 4 2, always be humble and gentle. It's talking about each, how we handle each other. Be patient with each other, making uh, excuses. Is that what it says? Did it say excuses? Would y'all follow along? Oh, no, 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 it didn't say excuses. Making allowance, shout allowance, for each other's faults because of what? Your love. Yeah. Now, the fact of the matter is, in order for us to do this, we need help. We need help. Pastor Rick Warren puts it this way. Pastor Saddleback Church, he says, uh, he says, in every small group, we have 60 of them in the life of this church. In every small group, there's at least one person who talks long. <laughs> takes, tries to take over the group, monopolize. And so... He labels that person, he calls that person extra grace required, EGR. 
Ask the person next to you, do you know any EGRs? <laughs> Extra grace required. This is what Paul is saying. This is what Paul is saying. That in every one of our lives, we have some extra grace required people. And, and, and the question here is, it's not that we make excuses for them. We need to be real about their brokenness. And, and so in some ways, we might need to draw some boundaries, so forth and so on. But at the, at the end of the day, what he's saying is we have to realize that they are in a process. And they may be delayed in the process. And if they're delayed, it means that we confront that with a sense of grace and forgiveness. That's making allowance. EGR. Now, let me give you a positive example of EGRs. As a, <laughs> as a 14-year-old, uh, growing up in Cushada, I loved the chairman of our deacon board, Deacon Ellick as a kid, he took me and elevated me and helped me to become somebody special in our church and community. By the time I got to be 14, he was in his late 80s. Age had robbed him of the ability. Uh, had caused, he's disabled and confined to his house. I would go down once, sometimes twice a week, just to spend time with him. And in the, in the middle of this, I didn't really think about this, so there's no... Praise coming to me. This is really about how God can keep growing us. And I didn't realize, but he was teaching me something. And, and what all I was trying to do, remember the verse says, you do what I love. I was just trying to figure out how to love on this man who had loved on me in such an amazing way. And so whenever I would go there, he would, he would, he would start telling me. So he would tell me, every time I get he would tell me the same stories over and over again. Tell me about, you know, he used to hog fuck with. Tell me about how he got to Cushada. Tell me about how he met his wife. Tell me about how he, he followed, started following Jesus, became a deacon, some of his early fights. And every time I'd hear the story, whenever he would get to a, a, a laughing point, I would laugh as though I'd never heard it before. Whenever we'd get to a thrilling uh, suspense moment, I, I, I would enter that moment just as though I had never heard it before. I would ask the same questions that I had asked before out of curiosity. And we would do this again and again and again and again. And what I didn't realize was that God was teaching me that one of the greatest ways to love people is just to listen. And Deacon Ellis Owen is a positive example of a person where, who needed extra grace required. And all I had to do was to love him through listening. You follow me? All right, now let me give you another one. My wife is here, so she can say amen to it. When we, we, this weekend, we're going to celebrate 31 years of marriage. All the way, this coming weekend. And... And she's been my wife for 31 years, my girlfriend for 32. So I have a girlfriend and a wife, they're the same person. <laughs> and she's just as cute as she was when I met her. All right. Now, in the first 10 years, it was our struggle years. First five years, the super struggle. So it was when we were, when we were getting into those arguments in the first few years, and she would be arguing, and I, we'd be back and forth, back and forth. When she was talking, I wasn't listening. I had already figured out in my mind what I thought she was going to say and where I thought she was going to end. So while she was talking, she's just buying time for me to make my argument. 
I was constructing my argument. So she, she would say, are you listening? I would say, oh, sure, I'm listening. But I wouldn't listen. I'm working on my argument. Till one day, again, I'm just showing you how the Holy Spirit, you come to church, you, you read the scriptures, you take this kind of stuff seriously, then the Holy Spirit sneaks up in your life and he begins to change you in unexpected ways. So we were in a conversation one time and, and, and I, was, I was getting ready for the argument and she, Rhonda was going through a thing and, and I sensed the Holy Spirit say, when she finishes, say back to her what her argument was. So she finished. And so I said, wait a minute, let me just restate your argument. And I said, this is, I'm paraphrasing. Basically, you said that because, if I, because I didn't do A, I missed X. And since that's a recurring thing, that means I'm a knucklehead. So she thought about it. And she said, correct. <laughs> but she's shocked. She's like, wow. <laughs> and then I thought about it. And I said, you're right. Now, I'm shocked too. Because I accidentally heard her. You see, because when God told me to restate her argument, he knew that in order for me to restate the argument, I had to listen. Y'all ain't listening. I had to internalize what she was saying. So it was an accident that I heard her. But when I heard her accidentally, I then had to have enough humility to say, you're right. And that became a turning point in our relationship because the Holy Spirit helped me to turn. Now, some of you, you can't say you're right. You know why? Because your self-esteem is so low that you feel like the moment you admit being wrong, you've lost everything. But if you let God have his way in your life, at the end of the day, you've got one person in eternity to please. And that's God. Come on now. And if you can humble yourself and acknowledge what you need to acknowledge, God will give you a standing ovation. Come on. And if he gives you a standing ovation and the Holy Ghost has his way in your life, come on now. You'll come out sooner or later a better person. Celebrate that. All right. In this second story. I was the EGR. I was the person for whom extra grace was required. God worked in the midst. He can do it for you. He can change you. He can give you breakthrough. And some of you said you didn't think you could do it. He can. He's God. He's got to be serious about your relationship with him. I'll wrap it up here. So maybe you're okay when it comes to patience and, and grit and perseverance. But, and maybe you're okay when it comes to patience in your interpersonal relationships. But, but let me ask you this. Are you okay when it comes to patience and self-control? Because an aspect of patience is really self-control. Let me just show it to you scripturally. Second Peter uh, 1, 6. Listen to this. And I just love how Peter writes it. He says, he's talking about the verses. He says, look, you need knowledge. And then you need self-control. And then the self-control becomes the context for which you come up with. Come on, shout patient endurance. And, and, and patient endurance 
leads to godliness. All right, now let me, let me give you a couple of quick examples to show you how this works, how this works, so you can see whether or not where you're on this. Are you the person when you're in a traffic jam? And you're boom, 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 boom. Right? Or maybe you're the person who last week you had a conversation with Siri, the iPhone. And you said, Siri, and you told Siri what to do. And Siri came up with some language and some words. And, just, and, you, and, you, and you were so upset. You didn't realize that Siri uh, learns through experience. Come on now. So if you're patient, come on, and you just keep talking and working with Siri, it takes Siri about six weeks. But after six weeks, you can, you can just quietly just talk to Siri, and Siri will just, she'll get it. She'll get most of it. Come on now. But, 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 but that was more patience than what you had. And after the second attempt, you took Siri and threw it across the room. Is that you? <laughs> All right. Self-control. Come on, it's just exposing. You see, now let me just ask you. If you're leaning on your home, uh, how did that work for you? Did the traffic magically open up and your car became a spaceship and made it? You threw Siri across the room. How did that work for you? Did that actually cause Siri? No, self-control. Now, we're going to have a whole sermon on this later, so I'm just end it here and, and just simply say this. Uh, uh, Everybody shout, take a deep breath. In those moments, you need to take a deep breath. And then you need to identify what you're feeling. And then you need to decide, watch this. Here's the lesson. That I will discipline my emotions and my focus. In other words, I'm going to make my emotions serve me and I'm not going to serve my emotions. See the point? And when you get ready to do that, the Holy Ghost will get active and give you capacity to do it that you can't do it. Now, here's the last one. We finish. The last one. Maybe you're good in all those areas. Impatience. But here's the last one. Patience is required for reflection. Shout reflection. Psalms 37, last verse, throw it up here real quickly. Psalms 37, 7 and 8. Watch, watch what the writer says. Be still in the presence of the Lord. And what? What? Patiently for him to act. Now, that's the context. When you do that, then this comes. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked screens. Next verse, watch this. Stop being angry. Turn from your rage. Do not lose your t- temper. It only leads to harm. So how do I stop being angry, turn from my rage, stop losing my temper, right? I got to go back to the previous verse. Stop worrying about wicked people. How do I do that? Back to the previous verse. Well, be still in the presence of the Lord. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm saying you're creating some space in your life once or twice or three times a week where you just get still. And after you've been listening to music, all that, you turn that off and you say, God, speak to me. See, all these things I just showed you, I just talked to you about, these are things that God showed me through the power of his Holy Spirit. Because when you're before the presence of God and you look back, that's what reflection is, looking back. You can look back and you can see what you missed when you were going through it. 
You can understand what you didn't understand when you were walking through it. And then you, and then you, you, make, your, you make your insight, you make your adjustments. Come on now. And, 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 and then you make the decision that I want to grow. I want to keep becoming. And watch this. In your reflection time, you will not only see what you didn't see about what you've missed that you need to adjust, but you will also see some things about God. Come on now. You, 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 you will see in your reflection time how when you were having trouble trusting him, God said, let me show you these 10 things that I did for you. This one and this one and this one and this one. You ought to be able to trust me. And then you'll see in your reflection how when you were having trouble interpersonally forgiving somebody and extending grace, God will show you. Let me show you these five different examples when I extended grace to you and forgave you. Come on now. When, when, when I should have wiped you out with my wrath. Y'all ain't listening. Come on now. And when, and when you're having self-control issues, God would say, let me show you how I hovered over you and I waited patiently until you matured. Come on now. I didn't kill you. I didn't kick you out. I didn't cut you loose. I controlled myself. Y'all ain't listening. And then when you see what God has done for you, then you can open up and let God do in you and then God can do through you. Shout hallelujah. Shout thank you Jesus. 